0: Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are we are in for a a little treat tonight. I I um I wanted to talk a little bit about the last days, uh, the days that we are living in, and just kind of the things. Not trying to be alarmists, not trying to to uh, be scary or anything like that, but I did want to just kind of. Maybe give us a little jolt and a wake-up call as to the times that we are living in. Um, I got a lot on my heart, a lot on my on my heart today. A lot of things I've been thinking about and kicking around, and you know, there's there's a lot of of a lot of stuff going on. You know, the war uh, that's that's going on right now, the proxy war that we are, the United States and and its allies, NATO and all that, are, are fighting uh, with Russia and, and China and stuff like that, joining in. Um, it's getting ready to really kick off, and it looks like it's going to really kick off this spring and summer. And, you know, as the snow melts and as things get a little bit warmer, things really can kick off. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that, that that's a kickoff to the, to the end and stuff like that, but, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things that a lot of of things happening right now that that are going to make life kind of interesting um, to say the least and I just kind of want to make sure that i I mention this and I try to only do this once a year where I kind of talk about temporal preparedness where I talk about you know I'm adding in some spiritual preparedness as well um, for the times that we are in, you know, the last days of the last days, and to remind um, us to be vigilant. It's something that was instilled in me by my parents growing up. I remember uh, going with my parents a couple of times and going with the youth as well. To the bishop's storehouse back when they used to do that, and and helping to can food and stuff, and I remember uh, being really young, and my my parents had these red tins that were full of wheat, and I would reach my hand in there, and I loved the feel of the wheat, and then I would take and I would chew on that wheat, you know, <laughs> which I'm sure was great for my teeth, but I'd sit there and I'd I'd, I'd work my my. Uh, I'd work on that on that wheat those kernels of wheat until I could chew on them and soften them up and chew on them and stuff like that and it's just something that I did as a kid you know and I just really had that foundational um teaching that we needed to have simply because of obedience to to the mouthpiece you know as the brethren, people, um, prophets such as Ezra Taft Benson and and Gordon B. Hinckley, and of course before them as well, um, talking about the necessity to lay up in store uh, food, and and clothing, and to be you know maybe have some money set aside and stuff some cash, to be as prepared as you possibly can for a time of want, um i I did this once last year where I talked about it, you know and and I want to do it again this year as i i I really just I think that we are about out of time, and I didn't think that we had that much time last year as well, but we're kind of slowly, slowly eking by and inflation is going up and your dollar is about worthless and there's even talk about an economic collapse and I'm I'm not an economist um but when you look into our fiat money system and you realize how much quantitative easing, easing that has happened and and it's basically just a fancy term for money manipulation right where you print a whole bunch of dollars. Uh, Rome did the same thing with their monetary system before they fell, where they start playing with with their money, and their money becomes funny money, right? And as we see, you see, our, our money was taken off the gold standard back in the day, in the 70s and ever since then it has been backed by basically oil right it's it's become the 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 petrodollar and our dollars that the the, U, the US dollar was the reserve currency for the rest of the world and seeing what they have done with with our dollars with the devaluing of our currency by printing so much money by handing out all that money during during the covid-19 uh pandemic um, it's at some point, brothers and sisters, the chickens have to come home to roost, whether that is a default in debt and a taking a hit to our 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 credit and stuff like that the United States credit uh causing a war in and of itself potentially it's very just a very interesting time to be alive and the last time this type of stuff started to happen, we had a great depression there is even um talk of uh, the great depression that's coming to be one that that even that rivals and even beats that one that that our our well, my great grandparents would have lived through um very interesting times and i am not i want to make make this abundantly clear that i don't want to be an alarmist at all I firmly believe, brothers and sisters, that we have been warned against this time. That we have been prepared as a people, and that we have been taught, not even in parables, brothers and sisters, but in very, very plain speech. That we need to be prepared as a people for a time of want and trouble. Um... I mentioned the monetary system because it's, it's for some reason I think that we have forgotten who we are and where we come from and we have forgotten you know pioneer our pioneer heritage and ancestors and you know I I actually don't I don't have pioneer heritage or ancestors but I claim I lay claim to it because I am I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and so I, I consider myself adopted into that. I think we all are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Um whether you're from Africa, whether you're from, you know, from Russia, whether you're from Australia, it, it doesn't matter. That that is your heritage as well. Um I call them my ancestors as well because they are my spiritual ancestors. These these people paved the way for us spiritually and culturally and, and made it possible for us to have a, a religious culture, which I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, their stories have inspired me and especially in my adult life, they've inspired me watching, uh, what, and listening to the, to them and their, their diaries and, and the, the heartbreaking tales of them crossing the plains and burying their children and spouses and brothers and sisters along the way. Um, I think that we've forgotten who we are and and where we came from and and we have replaced a lot of what we held dear at one time the words of the prophets the scriptures um these things were things that people left wealth over in the old world you know in 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 the british isles in um some cases over in in like Sweden and and those those uh, Scandinavian countries, and as they came here, they they gave up wealth and an abundance of of comfort to cross the plains, risk their lives in some cases uh, to give their lives, and they. They came here to be able to live in a dirt floor, small log cabin, but being absolutely rich in spirit with testimony and conviction, the likes of which is rarely seen. It's seen. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist today, but I'm saying is that that was some thick, thick testimony, some thick conviction in those days and it was it was abundant it was everywhere and i i worry about about my people nowadays i worry about us and our our mindset and where our hearts are and i just want to to put this out there, you know, for another time, and I purposely don't talk about this a ton, because it's something that is kind of stressful and alarming and stuff like that. And it's a sermon that has been preached many a time. I don't consider it my place necessarily to to continue to harp on it, uh, especially now as I believe that we are pretty much there are so many of us that are stretched so thin, and we are out of time for many of us we are out of time for some of us there is still time and if there is still time and you have procrastinated i would i would just i would just tell you that it is not a bad idea to get some extra rice and to store it up in some buckets and to get some extra if you can wheat but i know that has become really expensive White rice, um, ramen noodles, you know what I'm saying, whatever you can do, brothers and sisters i um i i I worry about you guys, and I worry about my my people as a whole as we get ready to enter into potentially what could be some very lean times. something about me um uh, probably about four or five years ago i was you know i I, I was an athlete growing up. And I kind of could eat whatever I wanted. You know, I could I could leverage that youth and that activity level that I had, and I could get away with eating a lot of stuff I shouldn't eat, you know. And when I got married, and I had a little bit more sedentary lifestyle, and when I first got married, I had a hard time um, ma- managing my time between my family and the weight room. And as a result, I kind of... I, I chose my family a lot, and I didn't spend enough time in the weight room, um, which is something that I grew up doing, and I loved doing, and had a, a passion for, but I I, I just kind of gave up on that for a couple of years, and I got really overweight, and I was miserable, I hated being overweight, it sucked, Um I got really heavy and stuff, and I had like chronic heartburn. I had to take like the, you know, uh, those, those pump inhibitors that keep you from producing as much acid and stuff like that, and just was in a bad way. My diet was terrible. And I, I remember actually taking it to God at some point and just saying, I'm not happy like this, and I, I don't feel good about myself. And I remember just just having the thought pop into my head, you know, the, the word of wisdom. And so I went and I studied the word of wisdom and I applied it and funny enough, I started to lose weight. <laughs> I started to eat a lot of whole foods and at first that's pretty much just what I focused on. I focused on whole foods and making sure that I didn't eat anything fried, I didn't eat out. I uh, I eventually started to count calories and stuff like that, but at first it really was just eating whole foods, and I I began to lose weight, and as that momentum built, um, it really became unstoppable. I, I was able to really get going, and realizing that I didn't have to go hungry, I just needed to eat the right types of food. Now, I bring this up because, number one, I think that we we don't eat very well in the United States, for sure. And when I die someday, and you know, if anybody ever digs up my bones and looks at me, they're going to be like, this guy, he can't be from the United States, because the way he's eating, <laughs> we can tell from what he's eating, he ain't eating like an American, <laughs> right? And... I bring that up because the stuff that we have in food storage, brothers and sisters, the vast majority of us is probably going to be whole wheat, uh, wheat berries. It's probably going to be a lot of rice. It's probably going to be a whole lot of beans. It's, you know, stuff like that, the staple stuff. Um, Ezra Taft Benson always said that, hey, store up the stuff that you eat but if you can't do that if that's hard then store up something that you're not going to get fat on but that will sustain life and so as i you know as i've been somebody who's been mindful of of where we're at in history the fact that we are in the last days of the last days seeing the writing on the wall as to the direction that my country was starting to take uh well you know as far as me awakening to the to the awful situation that we were in at that time we we've been going downhill for a long time but but recognizing where we were going at that point in time you know i really had that awakening in 2012 and i said you know i'm going to start storing up a lot of that whole wholesome food And so when I began to eat better, I began to eat the stuff that I have stored up in in food storage. And I can tell you that it was a complete shock to my system. It was a complete and utter shock to my system as I began to eat this stuff called fiber. (laughs) Right? And, And what it does to your stomach at first is incredible. And you will... It becomes very obvious that you haven't been eating right. You know what I mean? It just becomes obvious that you've been been poisoning yourself with a lot of the stuff that we eat. And the stuff that we call food is making us sick. It's making us very unhealthy people. But... I bring that up because now my stomach can handle that stuff. And I eat what I actually store up. So I eat... And I make uh, I make my own bread from wheat berries, from whole wheat. You know, I've learned how to how to make that, and I've I've stored honey. I make the bread with the honey. I eat. um, I prefer to eat black beans, but I have a lot of pinto beans stored up, so I eat. I switch off, and for a treat, I do black beans. This is something I do every single day and I realize not everybody can do that but I think that it would behoove with us would be a very smart decision for us to start to incorporate some of that stuff at this point in time if you have it stored. If you don't, start storing up some beans and some rice and start eating it a couple of times a week, right? I try to eat it every single day. I try to eat a cup of beans every single day. And there was a time when I was doing it twice a day and I realized not everybody can do that, but I wanted to make sure that my, my stomach could handle eating like that because we as Americans are not accustomed to eating like that. And I can tell you that I've never felt better in my life and it has, it has helped me in incredible ways. Like not only did I lose a bunch of weight, but it's just, it's, it's, I feel like I've given me my life back, you know. But I've even heard it said that if you were to have to one day just start eating out of your food storage, if you're eating beans and these things that are full of fiber and stuff that you have to be accustomed to eating, that it can actually be life-threatening to some people. It can cause you some serious problems. And so I wanted to bring that up just as a, a... important fact that if you're not eating what you're storing up you're going to have a surprise when you have to live off of that stuff and it's it's just a smart idea to get healthy and to eat that healthier stuff anyway but continuing on brothers and sisters if you're able to if you're able to get in there and to start storing some things up I would not put it off any longer, I really wouldn't, I think that this is a time when we could potentially see, you know, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a professional, I am somebody who reads the scriptures, and then who listens to a lot of people who are professionals and stuff like that, and I I consider everybody and I, I listen to a lot of religious figures, I listen to a lot of uh economists and I listen to a lot of people in the precious metals markets and stuff and you know something that I've always learned about about the latter and stuff like that, the you know, people in precious metals markets and people just in, in, in stocks and bonds and stuff like that. Everybody has an agenda and an angle and you have to be aware of that, of course. But you always like you, you have to make sure that you get things done in in wisdom and order. And one of those things that you do in wisdom order is to instead of worrying about money at first, instead of worrying about all that stuff, make sure because you can't eat you can't eat paper money, can you? And if you look back to lessons from the Weimar Republic, right? before germany took over when they started playing with their money their fiat currency and people had buckets of of you know and wheelbarrows full of cash to buy a loaf of bread and it was always a you know a joke to say that yeah i i took a wheelbarrow full of cash over to buy some bread and i left it outside and came came back out and uh, somebody stole the wheelbarrow right the cash was still there cuz it was it was worthless but you can't eat cash you can't eat regardless of what of what we what the worth that we attribute it to it, right? It's 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 worthless, basically. It's just what we all agree it's worth, pretty much. Supply, demand, and all that other stuff, right? It's funny money, really. If it's not backed by something physical like gold, silver, whatever, then it's funny money. It's 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 weird, but it's where we're at. It's where we're at in history. But storing up the food storing up some water doing what you can with what you have i fear that 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 window is about ready to shut and i don't know what that looks like i know that in other countries it could get really really bad you know the united states i think we're lucky Enough to be able to, I think we'll always have some food on the shelf. It just might cost an exorbitant amount of money. I think famine here looks a lot different than it does for people in Africa for existence, or for, for example, because their existence is dependent on importing their food. And if there's no food, if there's, you know, countries are hoarding their food like China and India russia right if they're if they're hoarding and holding their food stores as Joseph in Egypt did, then they're in some serious serious trouble and i I think about that and I pray about that for those people because it's could get really bad it could get really bad, and it's looking like it will get really bad um I actually did a little bit of a, of a uh, preparation for talking about this specific thing once for a gospel principles or doctrine class. I can't remember. But the the world basically produces eleven or enough food for 11 billion people. Now, we're not to 11 billion people yet. And we have a ridiculous amount of people that starve to death every single day every single year that is very saddening to me to see those numbers where we we produce enough food for 11 billion people every year but it's really an indictment on humanity on the greed and blind indifference we have for as a human race for our fellow men and it really goes to show how necessary the Christian heart is to be able to have organizations such as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints you know and and of course others who will go out and give food to a lot of these places you know who, who don't have enough food I I hope, brothers and sisters, that it has been something that has been on your mind and that you have been preparing. And if you haven't, I would strongly suggest that you get some very basic stuff together and follow the admonitions of the brethren from times past and as Elder Bednar said, just because they don't bring it up every conference anymore does not mean that, that that those admonitions have any less weight than they did back then. right? They carry just as much weight now as they did back then. And I would argue they carry more weight because we are now closer to the times that they probably were foreseeing. I had a chance to speak with a a temple worker that I ran into at Costco. And I probably shared this story, but I'm going to go ahead and share it for those of you who have joined since I last shared this story. But I was at Costco, and I was purchasing some food storage with my wife, and we were talking out loud about it. And there was an older gentleman there. He was actually a temple sealer come to find out, but he was he was listening to me and my wife speak, and he could tell by the way we were speaking about it that we were members of the church and that we were preparing. We were laying up food for a time of want, a time of need. And he came and he, he just basically said, Hey, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm listening to what you guys are saying, and I think that it is so smart that what, what you guys are doing. And then he shared something with us. He said, I was in a meeting with President Monson back when he was the uh, the, the prophet. And he had gathered in all of the temple sealers in, in that temple in that area at that time and was having a little uh, start of the meeting. And he said, brethren, do you know why? Can I ask you why? The, the brethren, why we don't speak about food storage anymore. Have you ever wondered why that has kind of stopped, why that has slowed down and stopped? And they all looked around at each other. This is all according to what this brother told me. They all looked around at each other, and they said, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, we we didn't we do notice that. And he, And they said we couldn't answer as to why but yeah now that you mention it that's that's right there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about that and he said that president monson got kind of serious and said the the lord has warned the the people through his prophets and through his apostles to prepare the food to prepare food storage and to do these things he has had us preach this sermon For years and years now, he said, we have been instructed to stop, and the Lord will now preach the sermon. Now, when I heard that, it sent chills down my spine, because I know what that means. There's there's some implications there, brothers and sisters. President Monson um, then went on to say that the, the Lord will teach us. He will teach us now. Right, He will preach the sermon and he will teach us the lesson. Whenever that happens, it is done through example. It is done through uh, learning the hard way, you could say. And I'm grateful that this brother shared this with me. Because it, it really vindicated everything that I've been feeling, for one. And it also... It also made me um, realize that how do I say this? It made me realize that in my podcast, I needed to put that out there. And like I say, I do it. I something that bothers me about my prepper channels that I subscribe to is that they they um, in their, in their thumbnails, in their titles, they ramp things up all the time so much every day, every post couple of times a day that it loses its it loses its exclamation point i i uh, I build books some sometimes every every once in a while during the year we'll get together and we build books for my company medical coding books super intriguing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a joke, but um, we build these books, right? And something that you have to know when you're doing these things, when you when you're going through, and when we are making everything look pretty, because that's basically our job, is we take the content that the content team has put together, and they have to they have to point certain things out. Well. There's been times when we have to go back to the content team and say, okay, you've bolded too much. You can't go through and bold every other word. It, you, the whole point of bolding something is to make it stand out. If you bold everything, nothing stands out. You've just you just misused the bold. The, the whole point of the bold is now is now gone. It's it doesn't make sense anymore. Same thing with underlining stuff like if you want to accentuate something, you have to use it sparingly, right? That's something that bothers me with a lot of the prepper channels and stuff that I listen to is that it's like especially since Russia invaded Ukraine, it's been this every single day and I'm like, hey you've lost me now, and I know that things are bad. I know that this is a that this is a, this is go time, this is prep time, right? But I don't listen to them now because everything is fear-mongering and everything is, is always a 10 out of 10. It's ramped up all the time. And it's not supposed to be that way. That's not how it's supposed to be. One of the things that I love about the gospel is that it makes a very strong exclamation point about one thing in particular... And that is that everything is to be done in wisdom and order, right? Organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing. It's supposed to be a process. It's supposed to be something that is done with calmness and faith. And so I would, I would make sure that I bring that up to you, brothers and sisters, as I sit here and speak about this stuff, is that this is not fear mongering. I don't want that to be I don't want that to be something that comes across. It's not meant to be fear mongering. This is simply something that I am warning about, that I'm cautiously putting out there to you that if you are able and in a position to lay up in store some food, some basic food, then I would wholeheartedly endorse that behavior <laughs> right I have a uh, brother who didn't have a lot of food storage just he's a busy guy he's got a big old family he's a busy guy right and that's something that obviously it didn't take with him as much as it did with me uh, he's probably he's one of the most Christ-like people that I know He's I would be hard pressed to find anybody more Christ-like than, than this brother of mine and it was funny because because he um we wound up having a mouse get into our food storage and I had prepared in such a way that I had a lot of buckets but I also had a lot of Mylar bags and I had those Mylar bags set aside specifically for the purpose of sharing. I wanted to be able to share. And when this it was weird. Because we've never had mice before. We have a cat inside that usually keeps the mice away. Takes care of that problem for us. And this mouse got in this winter. And we... You know, I wound up going through and finding it. Um, not not it itself. But I found that we had a... You know, just barely had a mouse come in and start nibbling on some of that food that we had laid up in store. So... We went through, we cleaned out the food storage, we got rid of the contaminated stuff that we were worried about, and I took everything and went on a a bucket transition, right? I took everything that I had and I put it all into buckets so that it would be pr- protected against the mice. I took So I took away their food source and then I put out some, some traps and we wound up catching the one my, mouse that was there. And it was funny because we thought that there would be more. We I guaranteed that there was. I was like, there has to be more than the one. And it was the one. That was it. After that, nothing. No droppings, no nothing. Gone, right? Well, as a result, because of, of me taking and putting all of the food into buckets now, I didn't have enough room. I didn't have enough room to to be able to store all of that food that I had laid up, right? And like I say, I I lay I purposely laid up enough so that I could share because I know that's going to be, you know, we'll get into that later, but I know that's going to be something that's going to be required of us. I know it. But I I just had that I had a thought and I was like, I'm going to ask my brother If he wants... I'm only going to charge him for the buckets and the lids. The food he will get for free. I'm going to see if he wants it. And sure enough, he wanted it and he wound up getting 79 buckets of food. Okay? Now, here's the point. A lot of the food that that I get and stuff, because like I say... Alan is, is concerned and has been for a couple of years about the state of things and knowing that we are in the last days of the last days, especially focusing on food and temporal salvation. Uh, something that I did, and it's not something that I would encourage anybody else to do, hint, hint, wink, wink, um, is to... I went ahead and I went and I got uh, just basically field corn, dent corn, right? I got... Uh, uh, feed wheat uh, you can get barley even feed barley and stuff like that and I take it and I get it from a feed store and i ha- and I laid it up in store um, it's a little bit dirtier you'll find pieces of grasshopper you'll find piece you know beetles or you know stuff like that 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 turns a lot of people off to that idea but that food is life sustaining and it is sourced from the same places that we get our feed that, or our wheat and stuff that is later goes through an extra couple stages of cleaning gets rid of the chaff and the pieces of of plant and stuff like that or grass or whatever um and it is then sold to us at the store right it's a fraction of the cost buying it this way and i was able to get literally tons of food that way filling it up with in my own 55 gallon buckets um that have the large open mouth lids to where i could just take the lid off fill them up and then i've got 700 pounds of food to pop right then i just take it i put it into mylar bags that go into buckets oxygen absorbers hot iron boom anything that you know any insects that are in there are going to die because the oxygen gets sucked, sucked out. Any eggs that they laid are going to die, and you've got food. And that food is perfectly fine for human consumption, right? It might gross you out a little bit. Maybe I wouldn't eat it every day, but as far as an emergency supply, where we are in 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 time right now, where we are in the last days of the last days, I think that's a pretty... um good way to lay up a lot of food as cheaply as humanly possible not telling you that you should do that it's something that i have done myself it's something that we have that we are okay with if we get a couple of beetles or grasshoppers in in our food in our bread as we're grinding it up then we get a little extra protein i guess and we'll just you know we'll clean it up as best as we can but life sustaining food Brothers and sisters, I again, like I'm I'm trying to be to really I'm trying to really make sure that this hits home that I am not trying to be an alarmist. I want all of us to be able to prepare in such a way that we can prepare as Christians. And what I mean by that is that we're not just storing up food for ourselves. But we're storing it up for others as well. In the case of my brother, I look upon that one mouse and I, I strongly suspect that the Lord's hand is involved in that. I strongly suspect that. And as we were going through, and it was a lot of work. It was a ton of work. And it took me a couple weekends to do where that was my main focus. But as we were doing it, I was telling my kids and I was telling my wife, I said, this is happening for a reason. And, you know, maybe at first glance, I was looking at it and thinking, gosh dang it, I have to get rid of some of my food. And I'll be honest with you, brethren, I probably had seven-year food supply. I probably had, which was my goal. I wanted seven years. Now the brethren haven't said that. They have said a year. Back when I was growing up, it was two. But I look back on, I I look at that situation and I was telling my kids and my wife, the Lord's hand is in this. My brother needed to have food, right? I bring that situation up because I think that we need to, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and if we're preparing the best that we can, the Lord is aware of our struggles he is aware of our circumstances and if we are trying if we are if we are giving the lord our all then he will step into our reality and he will cause things to happen to where we will be taken care of and perhaps that will be something at, like the the story of the mouse like that that actually that was a testimony builder for me and it happened to me <laughs> I'm the one that had to take care of the mouse, you know, I got him in the end. He, a mouse trap got him, but it was just one of those things where it was, I was like, the Lord's hand is in this. My brother has food because of that. My other brother, uh, he got hit with COVID and almost died and they had to end up using some of their food storage to, to get through just to make it through because he was laid up for a couple of months in the hospital. He almost died. And when he was on the mend, when he was okay, when he was at home, you know, I got together with my other siblings and I said, guys, let's donate some food or some money and buy some food. And my, my mom and dad got involved as well. And we got together a truckload of food storage and we brought it over to him. Right, we drove it out there and, and took it out to him and super grateful my brother and his wife are you know good good lds people They're good christian folk and they know the times that we're in and my my brother was saying that he had anxiety about it because they didn't have any food storage and they didn't have a lot you know They, they had to dip into their stores and so being able to deliver that food like that's really what it's all about that's that's the point i'm trying to get across here is that we We need to be able to take care of each other. And I strongly suggest that that you live in such a way and that you prepare in such a way with this temporal stuff that it ties into the spiritual side of things as well and that you are willing to share what you have laid up in store, which is 110% opposite of what the prepper mentality is because, and I've been in this is boat myself as I grow and I look back, you know, and I just really think that what better test is there to either have your bishop or your stake president ask that the membership in a crazy time of need, you know what I mean? They say, Hey, can we have some people hand in some food storage? So that we can feed some people who either did not prepare or who were not able to prepare. How many of you, brothers and sisters, here's the gut check. How many of you would be able to hand in your food? Could you hand in your food? Knowing that there was people that are going to be eating that food who probably didn't prepare. And they could have, but they just didn't. That's a hard pill to swallow. I look at that and I go, are you kidding me? You're going to eat my food? This is my 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 sweat, you know what I mean, my the, the work of my brow here, and that is the wrong mentality. That's the wrong mentality. Hopefully, this hasn't been too much of a ramble. I'm kind of I told you guys I had a lot on my heart, and when it especially when it comes to this stuff, this is something that I'm passionate about, and I have grown. I've grown a lot spiritually in this aspect the Lord is going to create a situation to where if you have prepared you're going to be okay somehow, some way, you will be okay whether that is through a fish and loaves situation the multiplying of the fish and loaves whether that is a situation where maybe something happens to where we are not able to or it's not safe to uh, go out and talk to other people and that you're either prepared or you're not you know what I mean it's one of those things I'm fully aware that if everybody hands in their food storage that everybody will basically be able to eat for a day or two and then you're out of food right because 2% of everybody if you're lucky has food storage to speak of the Lord knows that The Lord knows that. And he is an incredible architect when it comes to making things happen the way that they're supposed to happen. That's why he's the Lord. And it is our job to find reasons to sustain life and to help each other and to work together, to be one. As we have been commanded to do not to, you know, find ways to to hoard everything you've prepared and to not share anything. I think that that's the wrong approach. I think that's the wrong approach. Things will happen in in a way that we will be tested for sure. We will be tested. And I think that that would be a really a really good way for the Lord to test us. You know, and that's a uh, that's a question I used to pose to many of my friends and, and family and stuff. Like, what if, what if you were commanded or asked to hand in your food storage, to hand it in, and, and we do things, we do things in the uh, law of consecration style. Could you do that? And I've had people say, no, I couldn't. And I appreciate the honesty, and I understand. I do. And if you're one of those people, then I think that's good. I think it's a good thing to recognize that and then to start working on that and to realize, get that eternal perspective in mind and to say, okay, well, how can I get myself into a, a place where I can say, oh, yes, I will, of course and then have the faith that the Lord is going to step in and make up for the shortcomings of everybody else who did not prepare and sustain the life of those that did, right? And, and it's up to Him. It's up to Him. Brothers and sisters, as we go through, as we have spoken about preparing, uh, heavily I'm heavily focusing on food here I think it it also behooves us that if you have prepared if you are sitting here and you're like I'm good yep I'm good man I got it got it you know I've listened to the brethren I've listened to them throughout the years and I've got an amazing supply be as prepared for everything that you can be prepared for financially you know what I mean have some cash in a safe, have some cash in a hidden place in your home, perhaps enough cash to be able to, to get you through a short term crazy time. If there is in fact a, you know, and I'm not trying to be crazy. I'm not trying to be alarmist. Like I say, I'm just talking about possibilities and things that have happened in history, but talking about runs on the banks Right. What if there's a run on the bank? What if there's a financial collapse? Right. Everybody tries to pull all their money out of the bank. I don't know if you know this, brothers and sisters. There is, there is like a buck fifty for every hundred and twenty dollars, that is is insured by the FDIC. Right. So for every every hundred bucks, you can get a buck insured and you know i'm not a mathematician but that's not very good <laughs> that's not very good uh banks also you probably a lot of, i didn't know this until i started looking into it they have the right to take your money to do a bail in to support themselves to keep themselves from going under i don't know if you know that or not it's one of those things and i'm not trying to sound like a crazy you know extremist here i just i'm trying to make you guys aware of the different types of things. Like being prepared is a multi-pronged approach. First and foremost is food and water. First and foremost. Okay, then you, you get into doing some medical stuff as best as you can. And after that, you do the best you can with everything else. We're, we're not going to be able to prepare prepared for everything. But my goal for me personally is to be able to say, Lord, I have prepared for everything that I could I tried to get everything under control as much as I could under my stewardship. You know, having the knowledge of things that are happening and looking through history. Look at the Great Depression, brothers and sisters. That's a great way to prepare. Look at the Great Depression and see what led up to it and what it looked like when it finally happened. And if you can do that and have some of these things in place and have, have a decent amount of cash stashed to be able to get through you know, a short-term crazy situation or to have some cash set aside in case there is a run on the banks. We don't know what's going to happen, right? Hopefully everything is fine. I pray that everything is fine. I want to move out to Missouri. I want to get my family out to the Midwest, maybe Kansas or something like that, but you know what I mean? Somewhere where the taxes are are reasonable, (laughs) but I want to get my, my acres. I want to get my, my farmhouse where we can have some animals and stuff and I can buy a house outright. You know what I mean? I hope we have time. I, I desperately, desperately hope that we have time. We have a couple of good years things turn around we have some good years and I'm able to achieve that that goal of financial independence but I'm not holding my breath for it at the same time I'm preparing for the worst you know I'm trying to make sure that I that I am financially prepared that if there's a run on the banks it doesn't wipe me out you know what I mean I'm trying to be prepared so that I can take everything to the Lord and I can say, Lord, I did everything that I knew how to do. I looked at all the warning signs, all the signposts, and I did everything that I knew how to do. I followed the admonitions of the brethren, and now I'm laying it in your hands. You know, he he holds us in the hollow of his hand all the time. The earth itself is held in the, the hollow of the Lord's hand. It is only kept in its place by His power and His mercy. We draw breath every day because He wants us to draw breath. He allows us to draw breath. And He wants us, I think that's what we need to remember, is that He wants us to make it. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us. He wants us to be okay. And when we do what he has asked us to do through his mouthpiece, he is bound. When ye do what I say, I am bound. When ye do not what I say, ye have no promise. Right? That's a powerful statement, brothers and sisters, and it's one that you can hang your hat on. Okay? That one and and Malachi talking about the windows of heaven being opened when you pay your tithing, you can hang your hat on those. Those are things that we should absolutely, absolutely take seriously and absolutely be preparing for. Making sure that we can, that we can say we've done all that we can. Now, please, please step in and help us. Help us where our, our gaps are in our preparedness and, and, and things that that are obviously outside of our control. I've had so much on my on my mind and my heart and my chest with this that I I'm sure I bounced around a lot. I'm hoping that this was a good coherent message, but I also want to go into the fact that, you know, in talking about the Lord, him being the architect, the, the grand architect He who laid the foundations of this earth, right? He has the blueprints for everything, for this reality. You know, I, I, I'm actually doing a podcast. I'm preparing a podcast where I talk about how, how God is, is a coder. He really is. He's, he's a programmer. You know, this, what, we, what we are existing in right now He is aware of everything that's happening under the hood of this reality. And this reality is set up in such a way... This reality called mortality is set up in such a way that it is a mortal simulation for immortal beings where we take on a physical body that is like putting blinders on, keeping us basically in an avatar, right? A physical avatar that keeps us from being able to see beyond the code that we, the mortal code that we are in. Um. Knowing that, that this is a mortal program that we are in, that we are existing in, the Lord is aware of everything that's happening and he is in control. And I think that's important to point out, brothers and sisters, because... Knowing that he is in control, that he is aware of everything that's going on, gives me great comfort because he knows, you know. It's just like Christ said when he was teaching the, the uh the Lord's prayer, when he was teaching everybody how to pray, right? And he, he gives us the Lord's prayer. He says, You know, your heavenly father knows everything that you need before you even utter a word. He knows everything that you need. Right? that brings me great comfort because we have to bank on that fact that that we have done everything that he has asked us to do um i'm preparing that podcast and i hope you know hopefully it's not just interesting to me hopefully it's It's interesting to other people, but that's you know it's taken me a minute to do because I have to use uh, screen recording software and stuff like that, and just you know I want it to look nice and present well. So I'll probably have to do a couple takes on a lot of stuff, but that's just kind of a little a little snippet of what's coming, brothers and sisters. I hope I hope that this has been something that has not come across as alarmist that has not been something that has come across as pie in the sky prepper you know what I mean where everybody thinks you're crazy and stuff like that I just let me read a couple of quotes here to end things off I just really want to make sure that I have done my part in warning people my brothers and sisters to be as prepared as you possibly can um President Ezra Taft Benson, today I emphasize a most basic principle, home production and storage. Have you ever paused to realize what would happen to your community or nation if transportation were paralyzed or if we had a war or depression? How would you and your neighbors obtain food? How long would the corner grocery store or supermarket sustain the needs of the community? Uh, I can tell you it's about two days, brothers and sisters. The stores are just-in-time delivery system, they're gone. They're empty in about two days. Let me read you a couple of more here. Uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley, I wish to urge again the importance of self-reliance on the part of every individual church member and family. None of us knows when a catastrophe might strike. Sickness, injury, unemployment may affect any of us. We have a great welfare program with facilities for such things as grain storage in various areas. It is important that we do this, but the best, pra- the best place to have some food set aside is within our homes, together with a little money and savings. The best welfare program is our own welfare program. Five or six cans of wheat in the home are better than a bushel in the welfare granary. Okay, there's a principle of self-reliance being taught there, brothers and sisters, and self-preparedness. I love the way that they present this stuff, because it's, it's so much deeper than just what the words are saying. Um, let me go to President Brigham Young. Okay, this is going back to Br- Big Brigham Young, but you would think that he was talking about today. I have paid attention to the counsel that has been given me. For years past, it has been sounded in my ears, year after year, to lay up grain, so that we might have an abundance in the day of want. Perhaps the Lord would bring a partial famine on us. Perhaps a famine would come upon our neighbors. Okay, pretty interesting. If you go back to... uh, Sister Eubanks in 2020, I believe, um, one of the things that she was saying, and, and this is in the church news, right, I can I can even give you guys the link again to this, but they basically said that because of COVID-19 and the supply line disruptions and the fact that our, that we haven't been able to produce, like have really good growing years, we've had really diminished growing years and now because of war it's like a perfect storm for one of the first uh, sorry one of the worst famines in human history and that's their words not mine they said without being alarmist unless we figure this out this is shaping up to be the worst famine in human history and we are now starting to see the the beginnings of that you know the it's it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy Okay, I'm going to give you another Ezra Taft Benson. I'm just going to say a couple of these and I'm going to close it up. Our bishop's storehouses are not intended to stock enough commodities to care for all the members of the church. Pause. That is a fallacy, brothers and sisters, that I have heard from many, many members of the church as I have brought this up in, in conversation. Where they say, well, the church will take care of us. The church has enough food stocked up. No, they don't. I can tell you right now, no, they don't. They don't that's not their that's not their job. that's our job. We're supposed to take care of the the body of the church, not them. That's not their job. that's our job. okay, so we will either fail at that or we will do our part. and that's up to us. Continuing on storehouses are only established to care for the poor and the needy. for this reason. Members of the church have been instructed to personally store a year's supply of food, clothing, and, where possible, fuel. By following this counsel, most members will be prepared and able to care for themselves and their family members, and be able to share with others as may be needed. Okay, President Benson again. You starting to get a theme here? Like, It goes beyond preparedness for yourself and your family. It starts to go to the sharing thing, right, that we talked about earlier. That's I want to point that out because that doesn't get shared a lot. Okay, President Monson. Recent surveys of church members have shown a serious erosion in the number of families who have a year's supply of life's necessities. Most members plan to do it. Too few have begun. It is our sacred duty to care for our families, including our extended families okay it's hitting again take care of each other take care of others take care of yourself be self-reliant but then take care of others okay um, let me see let me... there was another one I wanted to share here I've got a bunch in front of me but okay President Hinckley this is a good one The best food storage is not in welfare grain elevators, but in sealed cans and bottles in the homes of our people. What a gratifying thing it is to see cans of wheat and rice and beans under the beds or in the pantries of women who have taken welfare responsibility into their own hands. Such food may not be tasty, but it will be nourishing if it has to be used. Okay? Goes back to it. Store up that... Those basic staples, those things that sustain food or sustain life. Spencer W. Kimball. There are some countries which prohibit savings or surpluses. We do not understand it, but it is true. And we honor, obey, and sustain the laws of the country which is ours. Where it is permitted, though, which is most of the world, we should listen to the counsel of the brethren and to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of... I had a lot of stuff prepared here, but I kind of wound up... I wanted to shoot from the cuff a little bit and just kind of kind of talk from the heart. And hopefully the Holy Ghost has been able to, to take the words of the brethren here, to take the principles that I'm talking about and speak some, some truth to your mind and also to speak some peace to your soul. As I've said, this is not meant to be something to alarm you, but to simply make sure that that you're doing your part, that you are preparing yourself and your family in such a way that you can be of a benefit and a help to those around you, and that you can be a, a, a sense of relief to those around you as well. Brothers and sisters, we are in the last days of the last days. And as President Nelson has said, we have front row seats to see live what Nephi saw in vision. I don't think we fully understand the gravity of that statement, brothers and sisters, especially where he says he's. Plain out says it, he said, you are among those people that, that Nephi saw. Think of that. You know, do we think of that? Do we realize how big these statements are? Because they're not said with a bullhorn. They're not said with exclamation points all the time. You know what I mean? You have to look and you have to read and you have to have the spirit to discern to see what he's actually saying here and to see the import of what he's saying here. This is not something to be afraid of, brothers and sisters. This is something to be prepared for. And if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. Okay? Notice that he doesn't say, you don't need to fear. You don't need to. He says, you shall not fear. That's like a command statement. Don't fear. You're not going to fear. Okay? Okay? I wanted to sacrifice one of the podcasts and I I feel it being that way because I I really want to talk about things of a spiritual nature but I wanted to sacrifice one of the slots and I just I figured you know what let's do it now while it still makes sense and let's talk about this you know food storage being prepared the temporal preparation being as prepared as we can because I think it's something that we are running short of time on as I have stated and I want to make sure that I have done my part you know, I I do take the responsibility seriously of having people listen to me in the numbers that I have you know, and it's not a crazy amount of people, but it's enough, you know, if it's more than one or two, then that's some serious, if it's one person, that's some serious responsibility. You know, I'm a parent of five, and that's overwhelming. These five souls who look to me for for direction, for instruction, you know what I mean, both temporal and spiritual, that's a huge that that is a huge responsibility and and as i have voluntarily created a platform and as we as a audience as a family you know have gotten together as a as a a fishers of men family have gotten together and as we as we comment as we listen to these things together, as we reason together. I look at the numbers of people listening and stuff like that, and its it really is, it it weighs on me. Not in a bad way, but in a way to where I definitely take it seriously. I take the responsibility seriously. The fact that people are listening to me all over the world, and that... There are people who, some of them are are on the edge, some people are on the edge, and they want to come back, you know, They, they want to come back, and the great thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that all of these things that we talk about, you can do tomorrow, you really can. You can begin by reading five verses of scripture a day. You can begin by laying up a couple of extra cans of food underneath your bed or grabbing some wheat or some rice. You can start off small because whenever we offer up what we can offer up on the the altar of sacrifice, as we work towards that broken heart and that contrite spirit, the Lord accepts that sacrifice, small as it may be. And the Lord will fill in the gaps for us, brothers and sisters. The Lord loves each and every one of you. And I am so grateful for you and your comments. I'm grateful for the support that you have shown towards me. And it has really, those of you who, who have been struggling, who have reached out to me, and who have thanked me for the podcast, please understand that it has... I, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you've done that. And so grateful for your words. Um, but please understand that it has nothing to do with me at all. It is the Holy Ghost. It is the Lord. And it is His gospel that has the power... It is his gospel and his priesthood and his his everything that has the power and that is pulling on your heart and your spirit and is speaking truth to your soul, right? I am simply somebody who is like you, who struggles, who is not perfect by any means, right? Who makes mistakes every single day, but in the w- words of Ephraim Hanks, you know, I try. I am trying. I can confidently look anybody in the eye and say, I am giving it my all. I'm trying to be a good man. I'm trying to be a good man when nobody looks, when no one's looking. I'm trying to be a good man. I'm trying to follow my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am trying to be a worthy husband and father, you know. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, is the iron rod that we need to be holding on to. I, I, I don't put enough emphasis on this, but in the description of every one of my podcasts, even in every one of the midweek spiritual boosts, in any video that, that is put out by me and my podcast, under the name of, of Christian Fishers of Men, I always say, hold to the rod! Exclamation point, Because that's the time that we are in. We have to hold on to the rod of iron. The Word of God. That's what we have to hold on to. And you have to keep pressing forward through these crazy times that we are in. Come what may, It is a privilege to be able to raise my voice in support of the Savior. My Savior, Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. It is a privilege to raise my voice in support of Him and His gospel as I hope I did in the premortal realm which was the beginning of this War, the spiritual war that we have been in that has been raging for who knows how long. At least 6,000 years for us mortals, right? The war in heaven, there was never a ceasefire. That war continues on today. The battle for souls continues on today. I know that this church is true. I know that President Nelson is a true prophet, and a special witness of Jesus Christ. I know that the twelve apostles are special witnesses of Jesus Christ. I know that the Lord is in control and holds himself responsible, personally responsible over his prophet and his special witnesses. I am grateful for them. I'm grateful for the Savior for providing us with the foundation, the mouthpiece that He speaks to us today that He gives revelation to His mouthpiece and that He has prepared a way for us to return and live with Him again to become sons and daughters of Christ through His blood, through His atonement through being born again as new creatures. And I say these things with love for each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.